0: Tonight we complete chapter 3 of the letter to the Philippians. Of course, uh, chapter 4 right on the horizon, which will close uh, the letter to the Philippians, has uh, some really well-known, powerful things. We have had lectures on and sermons on in some of its parts already, so I look forward to kind of the crescendo in chapter 4 with you. But we have a bit of a crescendo in chapter 3 in terms of the the present topic, this running of a race, this running towards Christ-likeness, more godliness, growing, progressing in sanctification, and uh, the aspects of the resurrection. Not that we'll ever attain perfectly, but why wouldn't we seek to draw closer to Jesus uh, as he's getting close to return to us? You might see it like this. Um, I was told... Uh, By Fernando, one of our younger sons kept going to the garage door, saying, "Daddy's home! I think Dad's home! I think he's home!" And he keep coming back, and that sense of anticipation and going, going to meet, going to meet. And there's going to be that aspect when Christ returns that we meet Him in the clouds and come back down for Him to judge the heavens and the earth. So may we have that being spurred on to be prepared for His coming, to watch, and continue to grow in holiness before His return. He's going to give us another thing to watch out for tonight, and in some ways, it's almost like he's kind of closing where he started. It's almost like a book ending of the chapter at the beginning. Watch out for Judaizers, the dogs. Do not be brought off of the gospel thinking you can earn salvation. But now he's kind of on the other side saying, Watch out, uh, beware of those who might lead you, uh, if you would follow them, to a similar danger that would be your demise in hell. Think you can just live however you want? Think you can just follow the ways of the world and live like the world, which would really show that you're not focused on this, uh, the kingdom of heaven. Your destination's a different destination based on the path that you're on. You might call it Christian, but it isn't. So he's in between. He's kind of warned us about um, just not being slowed down uh, by other kinds of situations. Whether we want to look at our own successes behind us when we shouldn't, but. Move, keep moving ahead for greater progress. And uh, last time, you know, we shouldn't be concerned uh, to be slowed down by others who are less mature and don't want to take it as seriously. But now well, there's a there's a more serious concern. And that's what we'll look at tonight as we close chapter 3. Read with me now verses 17 through 21 as I read for us. Hear now the word of the Lord. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. May he bless the hearing and the believing of it and the living of it. Again, Paul is continuing to encourage us to strive after sanctification, growing in sanctification like a runner in a race for more Christlikeness until his return. He had warned us earlier about being distracted from the race by looking back, At our past successes, or slowed down from the race by less mature Christians who are not of the same mind of wanting to pursue such, such progress and sanctification. Now he's warning us about not being infected by fake Christians who will cause us to stop. He had been teaching about legalism at the beginning of the chapter, now at the end, he's teaching against lawlessness. Both lead off course unto death, eternal death. Who we follow shows who we are and where our ultimate destination will be. I give that to you, the idea of our text. Who we follow shows who we are and where our destination will be. Paul has shown whom to follow. And now he declares whom not to follow because they have different worlds. They live in different worlds, citizens of different kingdoms. They're on completely different paths and they have completely different ends. One of eternal life, one of eternal death. So be careful who you follow. That's the message for you this evening from the text. Be careful who you follow. I am aware that there should be an M on who, but uh, I think we tend to speak this way colloquially, and I want you to remember it. Be careful who you follow. Don't follow the worldly way of some quote-unquote Christians that leads to eternal destruction. Don't follow the worldly way of some Christians that leads to eternal destruction. Probably some of the most dangerous because of the way it's packaged. And if they've gone to church longer than you, or think they study more than you, they can make you think that they know what they're talking about. J. Montgomery Boyce says, Heroes walk with confidence villains slouch, sneak, creep, or swagger. It's a different way and walk about them. You think about Satan who masquerades as an angel of light, but if you watch his ways, the way he goes about it, it's more like a snake that he is. Such behavior is what we need to watch out for and stay away from regarding their beliefs particularly that lead to their behavior of some who would say they're part of Christ in the church. Boyce goes on to write this, Whenever the truth of the gospel is preached, the devil will immediately set about to erect a counterfeit beside it, an idol that looks like the real thing, but that is dead because it omits the life-giving heart of the gospel. And again, of course, that can be, in the beginning of the chapter, legalism. I'm going to say I'm going to do something, and it's more about me and how I look. And it isn't what's required, and it isn't about Christ. But I'll pretend that it is. Judaizers, we're kind of pretending they're Christians, but say we still have to do something to earn something, to justify ourselves. The other danger is what he's looking at tonight. Those who say it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter at all. In fact, this is the way we should live according to the world. Oh, to try to reach the world, perhaps, (laughs) when we look exactly like them. And perhaps we are. There's a warning about that. When it isn't about the life-giving heart of the gospel, which is by grace alone, life in Christ alone, and now a life that should be lived for Christ, which is nothing like living in this world, as many would say, Christianity needs to get back to the antithesis with the world. That's how we win the world. When we look like light in distinction from the darkness. Not when we can't be distinguished from it. Verse 18, he says, many who he's already warned about, even weeping over it, are actually enemies to Christ. This weeping, think about it. Because they've probably been in the church and there's a weeping for, why why leaving now? Why Why straying from what you've known? It's kind of like Galatians. He doesn't want them all here in Philippi. He could be referring to the Galatians, perhaps. Who's bewitched you, right? That would be possibly more the Judaizers or the Corinthians. He could be really concerned that they don't end up like the Corinthians, who are just living in horrible sin. And they're also, by the way, often denying the resurrection. He had to really sort that out in 1 Corinthians 15. That's significant to where he ends tonight. He's actually weeping over them. He's probably weeping also because of the dangerous effect they could have on the rest. He's already been warning about them. Maybe that's the other thing he's, war- he's weeping about. I have to keep warning. There's still that danger, still that influence. Verse 19, their end is destruction. Because their God is not the true deliverer. Their end is destruction. They're on a path that shows they're not delivered of the world. They're in it and of it because they're not in and of Christ, though they say they are. Their God is their belly and their glory will be shame because they are earthly minded. That's the really distinction here. The way they think contrasts to how we're supposed to think. We're both supposed to be of a certain mindset. And this is the opposite. They are earthly minded, not heavenly minded. Whatever they're doing about church is related to earthly kingdoms and earthly advantages, not heavenly. And on the kings of the earth, namely themselves, not on Christ, the king of heaven and earth. When it says their God is their belly, that word can sometimes be used in the scriptures in the Greek uh, related to the womb of a woman having a baby. And so likely the danger he's warning about is a not only a, an appetite for you know gluttony but an appetite for sexual sin and as Paul uses it elsewhere uh, the word is used in Greek that just refers to in Romans as we'll get there um, just not being divisive having no mindset for unity and no mindset for humility it's all about me and if I'm going to have any relationship with others in church it's really about using them and if I can't use them anymore then I'm done they are wise in the ways of the world. They think. It says they're earthly minded the way they think. And that word is wise. But it's, it's wisdom like the devil. The subtlety of the devil. Wise in the ways of the world. Not thinking with the mind of Christ. Like chapter 2 verse 5. And then verse 16. If you're not of the same mind, God will show this to you. Well, they're not only of the same mind, hesitant. They're completely opposed in terms of what they really think. And how they really want to live. They're focused on themselves in legalism, beginning of the chapter, or here, licentiousness. Not on denying themselves for fellow Christians. They're not interested to be called to humility for unity. They're insisting on the ways of the world and trying to force them into the church, even when it's a worldly, clearly a worldly interpretation and ultimate denial of the ways of the Bible. Uh, They're really good at just convincing Christians that's not what God says. Which is exactly what Satan did in the garden. It's clearly what God says. But they cause doubt, make themselves want to be gods, which is the way of the world. But James 1 verse 27 says in part, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. And I highlight the last part, to keep himself unspotted from the world. Not only not to be confused with the world, but not even stained. No appearance of evil. But such folk that Paul is warning us about were, as Charles Erdman says, uh, their boasted liberty is bondage to lust. They boasted of their liberty in Christ, but it was their opportunity. They used it as an occasion to lust. Grace abounds. So let's sin more that more grace would abound. Remember we had a sermon in Romans a little while about that. And such people need to hear Galatians 5 verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. And the world really isn't looking to serve Christ and one another. They're looking to be served. They aren't looking to give and serve in the church. They're looking to take from the church. William Hendrickson writes this, If the friends of the cross are those who show in their lives that they have caught the spirit of the cross, namely that of self-denial such as in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8, then surely the enemies of the cross are those who manifest the very opposite attitude, namely that of self-indulgence. Moises Silva says, probably, more broadly, what is being alluded to is just plain old self-centeredness. And isn't that what it really comes down to when people don't want to obey everything God and Christ commands? don't want to sacrifice themselves for the service of Christ and his church and the benefit of the brethren. It all comes down to self-centeredness. Further, verses 20 to 21 of our text, Hendrickson speaks of them saying, If a person makes a god of his belly and sets his mind on earthly things, how can he ever expect to be welcomed by the spotlessly holy and infinitely glorious Christ at his brilliant advent? This surely is the reason, at least one of the chief reasons, why the coming of Christ is here mentioned. If Christ is coming in all his glory and holiness, in his power to subdue all things in his holiness, that would seem to surely cause concern not to follow after worldliness. And not be ready for his coming. And Christ says this, Matthew seven, thirteen. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. You might say that's the best application of this first focus tonight of be careful not to follow the wrong ones whose end is destruction but it's a broad way to go a lot of people in church happy to do that it's easier they can still call themselves a christian and brag of being in a church for decades first corinthians 15 33 be not deceived evil communications corrupt good manners that is the company you keep, like we sang about in Psalm One this evening. be careful whose company you keep don 't be stupid. The wrong, sinful people who want to say it 's okay to do this and that, stop being so puritan minded don 't worry about behavior you know just focus on justification. Stop bothering me with sanctification. It corrupts your good manners. it will cause you to live bad behavior and excuse it and Lose a focus of concern to strive after Christ-likeness that he's been talking about. Take it easy, is their message. Gordon Clark says this, For most Christians, it is our heavenly citizenship, not our earthly citizenship, which needs emphasis. And that's the truth. And I think, again, if you look at the witness of the broader church in our nation, the focus is not on heavenliness, but earthliness. And the only earthliness is a concern to let heaven force our kingdom on this earth, not to be usurped. But Christ is a king who sits in heaven. And he calls for heavenly mindedness, not earthly mindedness. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do not the truth. Paris the thought that someone should actually be suggested that, uh, you know, I question your salvation. I question if you really know the Lord based on your behavior. What an insult to people. But people who are walking in the light with Christ, would be convicted by that. They want to search out whoever saying that to him as a brother and say, Show me. Show me. Romans 8, verses 7 to 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Beloved, don't be earthlings. supposed to be aliens and strangers. Don't be earthlings. Such will end up buried beneath the earth in hell. And This is why Paul is warning us, and this is why he's weeping over it, and those who've gone the way of the world, and not calling themselves non-Christians, trying to package it with the term Christian, but it can't hold such behavior. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Thus Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 19, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Romans 16 verses 17 to 19. Now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause divisions And offenses, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Same idea in our text. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obediences come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. We don't want to be wise regarding the evil things. We want to be simple. We want to be untouched. We want to be prudes, as we might be accused of. We might want to be called Puritans. And isn't that the way the world acts? And isn't that the way worldly Christians act? They kind of mock those who are innocent of such things. This will be God's judgment on such. Hosea 4, verse 7. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Of course, Paul talks about now they glory in their shame, and that's a punishment. But what they think is their glory will bring them to shame and the judgment. So follow the way of truly devoted Christians following after Christ to eternal heaven. Don't follow the worldly way of some Christians that leads to eternal destruction. Follow the way of truly devoted Christians following after Christ to eternal heaven. I think about professional imitators. Sometimes they're comedians and they're really good at impersonating different people, entertainers, actors. How do they do that? They try and copy and mimic every nuanced action and accent of someone else. And how do they do that? Again, it takes a lot of careful attention to pull it off. And Paul's calling on you to do that with the right people try to mimic their ways imitate everything about them now not every little thing about their personality and you know what they like to eat or you know there's lots of liberty and latitude but just generally in their way following Christ he says be followers with me of me and the others and that could be translated very easily and many do imitators be imitators Verse 17 also says, mark those that you should be imitators of like me. And that word in the Greek means watch closely, carefully observe. Look to those whom God has as those more mature Christians and mark them, observe them carefully and seek to copy them in how they imitate Christ. I'm thinking of there is a There's a classic uh, book that we do have in our library, The Imitation of Christ. That's what we're being called to. Stephen West says that word mark could be observe intently. We're not talking about, you know, this kind of casual recognition once in a while. But as we're to strive after Christ, we are to intently observe those who are striving after Christ, that we would follow their, their way, that we would imitate their behavior based on their beliefs. Thus we are to do of the right examples to follow in their godly behavior. Verse 20, Christians are in the citizenship of heaven. Now that Greek word for conversation in our translation is citizenship. We are citizens of heaven. We are not earthlings. We are not citizens of this world. So we should behave ourselves accordingly. And if we don't, we prove we're not. If we do, some people could fake it. But most likely, if that's also seen in repentance and constant reformation, it's seen to be true. Citizens of heaven, where Jesus is seated already, and from whence he comes back, where our lives are hid with him. Heaven is where we get our marching orders, not, not any city, not any group of people on earth. And try to just put a little bit of a Christian label to it. Heaven is where we get our marching orders on the way from he who is the way. Now, uh, we've thought about this citizenship idea with this Greek word earlier. Look at chapter 1, verse 27, just for a reminder from whence we've come here. Uh, Verse 27. uh, It's one of those regular concepts Paul likes to talk about, our citizenship, just as he likes to give us this illustration of running a race or allusions to it. Chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your conversation, now that's citizenship in the Greek, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, notice this, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is what he's also rejoicing in with the Philippian church, that they are striving him with like that. But uh, notice again this idea of being citizens of the kingdom, and therefore we are going to act like it. Because that's where we're drawing our identity, and that's where we're going, and that is our end. Christ being our king. Now remember this. Philippi was a Roman colony, and so its people fought with pride in terms of their Roman citizenship. Paul's drawing on that. To be a colony of Rome came with benefits and rights, Paul Appeals to being a Roman citizen, you know, and appeals to go see Caesar. Uh, you cannot be crucified, even as a criminal, if you're a Roman citizen. Remember that and how significant was that Christ was crucified. But, so Philippi, they, they would have this sense of pride, this sense of being a Roman colony, not just uh, you know, um, a, city, a city that has the Roman influence because they've come into the area. Gabriel? And Paul's working with that idea, that that imagery, and saying your citizenship, your primary, highest allegiance, is Christ in the kingdom of heaven, regardless of where you might live and whatever benefits you might have based on where you live. And I think we could easily say to the churches of America... Your highest citizenship and your behavior must be based on Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And you can't be justifying your behavior based on the kingdom that you live in in this world. It has to be truly Christian behavior based on who Christ is and where that citizenship with him is in heaven. Paul reminds them to think higher and behave accordingly. Dennis Johnson writes this. In this text, Paul teaches that the people whom we imitate are indicators of our true citizenship. Of the political entity that defines our identity and our status, our privileges and our duties. I can't help but lament thinking of that of what I saw a lot of little children in a Christian context dressing up for for a pagan evil holiday. And that was how their parents were training them to identify themselves. Especially when the costumes were of things that God clearly forbids in the Bible. But, it's really, really popular entertainment in the world. And so we try to justify it. I'm not claiming all are not Christians, but there's that danger. Who do we imitate? It's an indicator of who we are and where we're going. Further, Dennis Johnson says, For those who trust in Jesus Christ, who are who we are, is no longer determined. Excuse me, let me read that again. For those who trust in Jesus Christ, who we are, is no longer determined by where we have come from, but instead by where we are going. Some of the illustrations he gives are some people are from the South and they have that certain accent and certain thoughts. Some people are from Scotland, they have that certain brogue. And you don't lose those things. But that's not who we are. If you don't mind my saying, considering my surname, I'm not Dutch. I'm a Christian. I'm Christ's. My behavior is based on Christ and his kingdom and not where I come from or what my background is. But the encouraging thing about what he says here is, when we trust in Jesus Christ, uh, we are, who we are is no longer determined by where we have come from. We are new creatures in Christ. We have a new identity in Christ. Our, who we are is determined instead by where we are going, our citizenship in heaven. That has to conduct our behavior, but praise the Lord, it conducts our behavior because of how it identifies us. We are not who we were. We are who we are now and who we will be and that has to guide us and that empowers us to go that direction. Ephesians 2:19 Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. So you can say to people you don't do that we don't do that we don't participate with the world in that thing. Because it's in direct contrast to what Christians are supposed to do, who are citizens now in the kingdom of heaven. We don't walk in darkness. We don't celebrate death. We walk and celebrate life and light. Jesus is the Savior who delivered us from this world. We're in it, but not of it. We wait for heaven and thus we pursue it and we pursue Jesus who is the prize. Verse 14. The culmination of the chapter is Jesus Christ and his return in his glory and his ability to deliver us from everything completely and subdue everything that will not bow the knee to him. And so don't start striving after Jesus in his way of life. He who is the way, the truth, and the life. No matter what people who... Try to convince you this is appropriate for Christians. It isn't. Verse 21. Jesus will return from heaven and transform us and glorify us according to his energizing. The work for working in us is energizing the Greek word. Now you can remember back in chapter 2.13, it was the same thing. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is working in you. Literally, in the Greek, energizing you. Supplying the power. (laughs) And so we don't get distracted from Jesus in heaven. He's working in us. He's able to work in us and subdue to himself all things. I I like the literal, literal Greek order here. It's subdue to himself all things. Not one thing he won't subdue to himself. There's not one area of your life that shouldn't be subdued to him. As Paul speaks elsewhere about, I will beat my body into submission for Jesus, and I will take every thought captive for Jesus, and anything and anyone else who won't now, he will subdue them in the end. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And that is your motivation to keep striving after him and to be empowered that you can because that Lord of Lords and Lord of Glory is energizing working in you. So don't be distracted away and off the path from him. We don't get distracted by the ways and wisdom of the world which Christ will ultimately put under God's feet. When it speaks of our vile bodies that will be transformed That Hebrew word, uh, that English word, had a different concept uh, than it does now. We think of vile as just filthy and dirty, and that's not that that isn't true. But in this context, uh, the word our our Bible uses is uh, has a different meaning that would have reflected then what the Greek is talking about now: humility, humble humiliation, and of course, humility is what has been Paul has been driving at us. For unity and humility is the opposite of the way that the worldly think. But we, in contrast to the world, humbly await Christ's return. And we keep running forward to greet him. How do we do that? Following Jesus by following Paul. And Timothy and Epaphrodites in following Jesus. Dennis Johnson says, uh, We want to look for mentors worth mimicking. Look at 17 of our text. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. He's already earlier in the letter said, Follow me, follow my example. And then he gives Timothy and Epaphrodites. But they're all saying, follow our example and how we follow Christ, who is the example. Have the mind of Christ. Now, look at uh, chapter 4, verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Remember the quote by William Secker in our bulletin today. Inward purity has to be there to have inward peace. We'll get back to that. There's a motivation to follow them because the world has no peace. The Bible says the wicked have no peace. And they rarely have sleep that's unmedicated. He's calling on us to imitate those who are running and walking the right but hard way, the narrow way. As Jesus says in Matthew 7.14... Enter the straight gate because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Paul saying strive after the narrow way. Don't miss it and stay on it. But the thing is few there be that find it and frankly in the church, few there be that truly find it. And how do we know because of their beliefs and their behavior that demonstrate their beliefs that are just the world and not of Christ. Anti-scriptural and therefore anti-Christian, as Paul says, enemies of Christ and of his cross. Christ and his cross saved us from trying to be saved by our own works or faith plus works. Christ and his cross also saved us unto good works, Ephesians 2, 8-10, which God had foreordained that we should walk in them. Ephesians 5, verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Ephesians five fifteen to sixteen. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. For people to say these are not evil days, this is not an evil day. All these are good from the Lord are not reading their Bible. And they're interpreting things according to the ways of the world and trying to excuse them away. But it's an enemy of Christ. 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Jim Montgomery Boyce, speaking of verses 20 to 21, to encourage you to follow after the resurrected Christ and his good examples of godliness says this the resurrection proves that at the believer in Christ can have a supernatural victory over sin in this life, as the believer in Christ can have a supernatural victory over sin in this life, for Christ lives to provide that supernatural power of it. He would point you also to Hebrews 7 verse 25 and Jude 24. But the hope of that supernatural power that saved you from the punishments of this life, saved you from the influence of the world, can help you continue to strive after Jesus. He's, again, telling you as he does in Hebrews chapter 12, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. And where is he? He's in heaven. He has been resurrected from the dead. He has ascended back into heaven. And he gives you his supernatural power to keep striving after him and living for him. And to have discernment about the difference. Considering this call to our citizenship from heaven, we're given Christ as this also, our Savior and our Lord and that's particularly a call to your allegiance to Christ in your highest citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. The word Savior was often attributed to political rulers in Rome. As was Lord attributed to Caesar. But for the Christian, Jesus alone is Lord. Jesus alone is Savior and ultimate ruler Jesus is the ruling, saving Lord of a heavenly kingdom, so advancing in this world that even the gates of hell cannot stop it. Therefore, nor should any worldly influence of pressure thus stop you, whatever they want to try to convince you about themselves, that is clearly not true. So thus, you can advance in his conquering authority, as depicted in the Revelation. Romans 8, verses 9 to 11. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Romans 8, verses 29 to 30. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Notice Paul calls us brothers tonight. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. And obviously in there, and as our shorter catechism would point to, sanctification is understood in all of that. You can progress in sanctification. You must strive after it. And you can have victory as more than conquerors in Christ, who is the ruler and Lord of lords from heaven, where your citizenship comes, so you serve him. And he gives you the victory. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 5. If ye then be risen in Christ, seek those things, which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Beloved, follow the time tested witness of the morality of the early church and the reformers, and the Puritans. Because it wasn't just a reformation of doctrine. It was a reformation of practice. It was semper reformanda. It was seeking purity in all of life. And every man that hath this hope, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. 1 John 3, verse 3. J. Montgomery Boyce also writes this, The great consequence of belief in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ should be a purification of our conduct. Now those who are of the world, Paul's warning us not to follow, they should be concerned about destruction. They should be concerned about when Christ comes back to judge the world. But they're not motivated by it. They'll try to turn you away from the motivation, but you who are in Christ, following after Christ, should be motivated by Christ's return to meet him in purity. Jesus warned about not following false shepherds who will cause you to stray from the voice of your good shepherd. And many would-be, quote-unquote, shepherds, self-appointed Shepherds, self ordained shepherds, leading those astray from the church, often take to social media to so do. And to the world's vain philosophies and science, falsely so called, but are there ways and reasons of argument to try to deceive the brethren? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 19. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Beloved, keep on running your race of sanctification after the Puritans, after Paul, after Epaphroditus, after Timothy, as they all run after the ways of Christ and so that you are not dragged off course by worldly-minded church folk, quote-unquote, who come and go, and then have you be in danger of completely stopping the race at all, be careful who you follow. Be careful not to follow those whose way is leading to destruction because it's the way of the world, whatever they want to label it, and instead be careful careful, close observation, and strive after following them as they would lead you in following after Christ. Be careful who you follow. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to be careful who we follow, especially with entertainment. Help us to be careful who we follow, especially with prestige and power. And let us remember the highest power is the Lord Jesus Christ supreme from heaven. And that our citizenship is there. And all our ways need to behave ourselves after Christ. And his way is humility. Lord, let us humble ourselves before you and your mighty hand. That you would lift us up together in unity with our eyes on Christ. The author and finisher of our faith Running after Him. Running together. Spurring one another on to love and good works. Spurring one another on to holiness, without which no one will see God. Purify our hearts, O Lord, for the pure in heart shall see God. And blessed are the pure. Oh Lord, forgive us for how often we are distracted by many of these things Paul's warned us about, but particularly the world. Help us to avert our eyes, to plug our ears, to turn things off, and to turn other things on, and to give others our ears and our eyes, that we would be led to give them more earnestly after Jesus. And in his name we pray. And as you said, follow me, so let us get up right now and follow. Amen.